The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They are not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on The Lab Report, we're going to talk about cinnamon. Oh, good. I love cinnamon. It's delicious, isn't it? Yeah. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. Why was Paul Bunyan's ox blue? I don't know. Bay? Is that his name? Babe. Babe. Yeah. Weird. Any thoughts there? Like, None. Okay. Hello. Hi, Michael Chapman. Hi, Patty Devers. How are you? I'm doing awesome today. How are Sweet. you doing? Crushing it. Really? Yeah. Good for you. Thanks. Rubbing off on you. Welcome to this show called The Lab Report. It's a podcast brought to you by Genova Diagnostics. It's where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics. And if you like it, tell one of your friends. Yeah, right. And have them go to iTunes or Spotify and subscribe to the show, rate, review, you know, all the usual stuff we tell you to do there. Another usual thing that we tell you to do is to send your emails to podcast at gdx.net. That's the email address. Can I ask a question? Uh, of course. I'm not going to email it to you. I'm just going to ask you a question. Okay. So Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Lumberjack. Big guy. Ish. Fictional character. Mm-hmm. Was he named after like a bunion on your foot? I have no idea. And and why in the world does he have a big blue ox? It makes no sense to me. I think that's also a great question. And I think we should be really evaluating all of these tall tales that we tell. I mean, where is the logic in any Correct. of these people? Speaking of tall, and he was really tall, like even that. Where's all this come from? Truth be told, it may actually be explained in the tall tale. I don't quite remember it word for word. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> they may have explained it, and here we are judging it. We should probably look it up. And although I want to Google it, I, I'm tired of Googling. Uh-huh. There's a lot of typing involved when you have to Google something. Especially when what? you're doing, yeah. Why don't you Google it? I can do that. Okay. That's not nearly enough typing to get the answer. I know this from experience. I mean, this is important. Lumberjacks. There's a lot of imagery with lumberjacks, paper towels, statues. Got it. That's impossible. I what? don't know how you got it. What do you mean? I don't even think you typed enough letters to, to spell out Paul Bunyan or Blue Ox. Sure I did. I've got it right here. Oh, Let me tell you ahead. a little bit about Babe the Blue Ox. Can't so wait. just to set the stage a little bit, mm-hmm. one winter it was so cold mm-hmm. that all the geese flew backward and all the fish what? moved south. And even the snow turned blue. Which winter is this? You know, it was just one winter ago. Oh. Um, okay. So Paul Bunyan went out mm-hmm. walking in the woods one day in that winter of the blue snow, and he found this baby little ox that Aww. was running around. It was having Aww. a problem because it was so little it couldn't really see out over the, the, the snow banks. Okay. And so he brought it back to his cabin, warmed it up, and it turns out that as it warmed up, the blue color didn't even change in it. It was stained by the blue snow. Oh, come on. I would have I would have thought it was so cold that he turned blue, but you're saying the snow stained yeah, the ox. Ex- that's exactly what happened. That's what a, and in the world? I'm, I feel better now knowing that. I mean, that is a perfectly logical explanation for why Babe is blue. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so our topic today is on cinnamon. How do we get from lumberjacks to cinnamon? Here's how you do it. Chappers, what are we talking about today? Good question, Oliver. <laughs> We're going to talk about cinnamon. I actually really love cinnamon. 
I think a lot of us do. It's yeah. it's flavorful. Mix it with sugar. Put it on your toast. It's delicious, right? right? It's right. in your toothpaste, so it's got that freshening quality to it. Yeah, it's in gum. It's in a lot of products. But what most people don't realize is that cinnamon has a lot of really important health benefits. It is a mainstay. Whoa. It's a mainstay of herbal medicine, especially as it relates to traditional Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. It's used in so many different formulas. Man, it does a lot. It does a lot. Mm-hmm. It tastes delicious. Uh-huh. We know it's important for your health. Well, what about cinnamon makes it such a powerhouse? Oh, let me tell you, what? right? Cinnamon is filled with all of these great things. Uh-oh. It's got terpenoids. It's got phenylpropanoids. Mm. It's got glycosides. Delicious. Lignins. Whoa. It's also got a bunch of lactones. Yes, I please. Mean, I'll have some of that. Just think about that combination. I don't know what any of those words meant, but they certainly do sound delicious. And it's clearly why I love cinnamon so much. And they're certainly scientific sounding too. Right, right. And then I think when people even understand that cinnamon has health benefits, I think the first thing that always comes up is its use for blood sugar and type 2 diabetes. Yeah, that's true. So we commonly see it in formulas for improving blood sugar, improving insulin resistance, things like that. Uh, And the mechanisms might be varied there. Uh, it's, it may act as an insulin, insulin stimulant. And there may be other mechanisms where it sort of acts as a mimic to insulin, changing how glucose is metabolized. For instance, it may uh, activate insulin receptor kinase, which increases glucose uptake by the cell, mm-hmm. autophosphorylation of the insulin receptor and glycogen synthase activity. Mm-hmm. So you can see that it kind of manipulates how sugar is used in the system. And it may even have some actions on the GLUT4 receptor. Um, so it has this kind of complex effect overall on blood sugar and has also been shown to lower hemoglobin A1C. So Yeah, and even as they use it with diabetes, to kind of piggyback on that, you know, if you think about someone who has metabolic dysfunction, right, mm-hmm. they also use cinnamon as a lipid-lowering um, sure. herb. And so we know that a lot of these are animal studies, but there are some human studies to suggest that the cinnamon at, at certain doses can not only decrease glucose, like you're saying, Michael, but it can also decrease triglycerides, your total cholesterol, and LDL cholesterol. So they're using it a lot in those metabolic syndrome type 2 diabetic patients. Yeah, and another thing is that it may also reduce levels of oxidative stress, mm-hmm. which has a role in you know overall metabolic dysfunction, cardiovascular disease risk, and things like that, because it's rich in polyphenols. So right. all these polyphenols are going to help act as free radical scavengers and reduce oxidative stress. So we all know that oxidative stress, metabolic dysfunction is kind of interrelated, especially how it translates into cardiovascular disease risk. And this is another mechanism why cinnamon might help there. Okay. So we're just scratching the surface on the health benefits of cinnamon. But before we go any further, I have a burning question. What's that? So I know that we all eat cinnamon, put it on our toast. We put it on Apple strudel, cinnamon, cinnamon, cinnamon. Is there a difference between just eating cinnamon like you would as a condiment versus taking a pill that contains actual cinnamon supplementation? Like, why not just eat cinnamon? Well, I think you you can get it either way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of goes back to the conversation that we had with Greg Monzel around something being a, a, an extract of a plant or using the actual full plant. And in this case... Uh, it has been studied both as a food and as an extract. So if you're taking something in a pill, what you've done is you've you've extracted a bunch of these compounds into a pill. So you've concentrated the cinnamon. So you think of like active constituents that are in are highly potentized. And so you don't have to take as much. You can take maybe 500 milligrams or something like that. When you're thinking about 
using it as a food to achieve the same level of efficacy. I'd have to eat palate. a lot of cinnamon. Yeah, you're talking oh. like five, six grams Yikes. of cinnamon. So like big boluses yeah. of cinnamon. Now you yeah. could do that for sure. And it may even be in your interest to do so because when you extract something, you're losing other constituents of the plant. Whereas if you're having it in the, the full raw form, you probably have a broader array of a lot of those phytochemicals that are important. Well, it's a good thing I find it delicious. I may just do that. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to find good medicine that's as delicious as cinnamon. So right. we talked about antioxidant status. What else might that relate to, Patty? Well, they're also studying cinnamon as being anti-inflammatory. Some of the compounds found in cin cinnamon have been found to inhibit the effect and production of nitric oxide. It inhibits the activation of NF-kappa B. It also can decrease nitric oxide synthesis, the COX-2 mechanism. So they're really studying some of the effects of cinnamon in some of these inflammation-mediated diseases. So it's really interesting. It's found to decrease tumor necrosis factor in the serum. There's even some evidence and research around it being used in cancer. That's right. And, you know, we always get a little trepidatious when mm -hmm. we're talking about cancer, especially as we're relating it to different natural therapeutic agents. So, sure, we need to always have some sort of disclaimer there. And I think one of the most important disclaimers with respect to cinnamon and anti-tumor effects is that most of these are are in vitro studies, right? Mm -hmm. They're studying different cell cultures and things like that. So there's not a lot of outcome studies and actually using this in like a randomized controlled trial. But that being said, it has been shown to have a lot of different effects on different cancer cell lines, including cancer cell lines, cervical cancer, breast cancer, head and neck squamous cell carcinoma. Um, and the main feature, they've got a ton of different mechanisms of how this happens, but the main feature at the end of the day is the ability to create apoptosis for these different cells. And so that's where it's, most of it's been studied right now as it relates to anti-tumor effects. Um, but we also think about the fact that it is antioxidant and has the ability to sequester some of our free radicals like nitrotyramine um, and some of the other free radicals that might induce lipid peroxidation. So from that standpoint, you know, it's it's a fantastic thing to just include. Okay, there's so much more to talk about as it relates to cinnamon. Yeah. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on, but I want to just pause here and ask a very simple question. Okay. Coming from a non-naturopath who's unfamiliar with most of these medicinal plants. Mm -hmm. So cinnamon comes from a plant. Correct. Like something that grows in the ground. It's a tree. Okay. And so how do you go from tree to the brown, delicious powder of cinnamon? Well, it comes from the bark. Makes sense. It comes from the tree bark of the cinnamon. So there's a couple different s strains or species of cinnamon. There's, of the tree? Yeah, there's cinnamon cassia. Um, there's cinnamomum verum. And, uh, or cin cinnamomum cassia is also referred to as cinnamomum aromatica, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Yeah, essentially you're taking the bark and then you're powdering it, and this is where we get cinnamon from. Interesting. We use lots of different tree barks in botanical medicine. You know, I think a really popular one historically is the um, the white willow bark, right? That's where we get the salicins for aspirin. Cool. And an interesting thing there, when you ingest the salicin, mm -hmm. then your body, uh, your gut actually turns it into salicylic acid. Mm -hmm. which is then the anti-inflammatory analgesic aspirin aspect of aspirin. Yeah. Did you ever make aspirin in uh, organic lab? Probably. That was a very long time ago, Did sir. Did you ever do that? I've, I think I've blocked out most of that. I had innumerable tragedies that occurred to me during organic chemistry lab. 
Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not good. Then I ended up owing up like too. the bursar a bunch of money. <laughs> Cause I like I busted one of the those large distil- distillation glasses. Whoa. Um I at one point melted one of the stirring bars <laughs> somehow. Like, I don't know how, but I, I totally what melted in the that world? thing. What were you doing? I not good work. Not That's good right. organic chemistry. I do remember like everyone came out with this beautifully fine white powdery substance of aspirin mm-hmm. and I pulled mine out and it was like crystals of this yellow oh just gnarly whatever it was and then to add insult to injury right after you do your process you're supposed to take it to an NMR machine or mm-hmm. like a mass spec right. to like identify it as the true substance right? right but in all likelihood what I've created maybe has never been created in the history of this <laughs> planet so like there's no way of identifying whatever it is that I just made okay so in review of your history of organic chemistry laboratory misadventure, mm-hmm. or perhaps even in your naturopathic training, did you ever extract and try to make cinnamon from the bark of the tree? Uh, as it relates to cinnamon, I would say no. I mean, we didn't go out and do a lot of wild crafting of barks for a couple of reasons. You want to be very sustainable when you do that sort of thing because the bark is the tree's protection. And if you just run around stripping bark off trees, you're going to kill the tree. Mm. You know, So we, as it relates to a lot of the barks, we rely on things that were sustainably wild crafted by experts. Uh, and then we are the ones who will maybe then further process it. Okay, so we've so far talked about some of the metabolic effects of cinnamon. We talked about it being anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, maybe protective in, in some respects. But the one area we need to go to next is the GI tract, mm. you know, because we talk about the gut all the time on this show. And one aspect of how cinnamon could affect your GI tract is the fact that it actually has antimicrobial and antifungal properties to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think one of the main traditional uses for cinnamon was in the gut, um, not just in the sense that it's antibi- antibacterial, antifungal, um, and even antiviral, but uh, it actually can influence the host microbiome by being somewhat of a prebiotic. Mm-hmm. And we learned it as even being what's called uh, a carminative which is where it helps to stimulate peristalsis or at least relax um, maybe exaggerated smooth muscle contractions. And so uh, it helps to ease kind of the overall digestive process. I think about cinnamon as having this sort of warm quality, this dry quality, right? And therefore, therefore it tends to help with weak digestion and even things like loose stool, diarrhea, cramping, nausea, all those things can be assisted with cinnamon. You know what I find confusing about cinnamon in the gut? What's that? Well, we know that there are compounds in cinnamon that are phenolic or phenols, mm-hmm. and those can be used in your GI tract as prebiotic foods, mm-hmm. right, to mm-hmm. promote gut metabolites that are really beneficial both locally and systemically. Mm-hmm. So that's good, right? So we know that there's that phenolic piece. And so we know that cinnamonic acid and cinnamaldehyde are things that can help to promote the growth of certain bacteria in your gut, a lot of bifidobacterium. Sure. Those okay. are good. Yeah, for sure. But... Then we just talked a little bit about how it's also antimicrobial. Sure, yeah. So that's a dichotomy. I'm confused by that. Yeah, it seems counterintuitive, but truth be told, it's not something that's really unique to botanical medicine when you look at constituents. Like, it's very common for an herb or a plant to have constituents that are immune stimulating and then to also have other constituents that are immunosuppressive. And so it's what makes these herbs as far as their medicines, more modulating in their effects. Um, So you'll have a plant that has uh, prothrombotic and antithrombotic constituents in the same plant. It's amazing. 
Yeah, and I think modify or modulate is probably the best word to use there, right? Mm -hmm. Because even, I mean, here there's this one study that shows that cinnamon can stimulate the growth of various bacteria like bifidobacterium and lactobacillus, which are super important. And then it's also been shown to be inhibitory to certain strains of toxigenic Clostridium difficile or C. diff. Right. Okay, all of this talk about herbs and uh-huh. barks uh-huh. leads me to my usual question that I have for you every time we discuss any type of herb or herbal supplement. Yeah. You know, they all have a hundred million different names, like different kinds of trees, different colloquial names for these herbs, things like cinnamon or cinnamon. You want bark. what's in a name. I do. Well, let me tell you this. We could do what's in a name. Okay. But I also, I think what's more interesting even is the history of cinnamon. It's really fascinating. So fascinating, actually, that this was, this entire thing was kind of a setup. And I've actually, I've, I've kind of been working on a project. Okay. It's, it's a cinnamon documentary. Ooh, that sounds spicy. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I, I hate to be using this platform to sort of promote my side project. Why not? But I, I have a really great trailer I'd like to sh- share with you if you don't mind me playing it. Oh, let's hear it. Inside your spice cabinet, there is a jar that holds the secret to the past. I mean, how many people think about cinnamon and what it's really used for? It's used in so many different things. It's practically ubiquitous in our kitchens. Foods with cinnamon? Are you kidding me? Cinnamon buns, French toast, snickerdoodles, apple strudel, rice pudding, dentine gum. But the past is anything but delicious. They talked about cinnamon in the Bible? This summer comes the untold story of the past. Cinnamon was one of the first traded spices in the ancient world. Ancient Egyptians used it as part of their embalming rituals. The power. We're talking about traders, supply chains, monopolies, and eventually wars. And ultimately, the price of cinnamon. It was so valuable during this time. It was equal in worth to gold and ivory. It was regarded as a suitable gift for the monarchs and for the gods. From your food cabinet to your medicine cabinet, not only did we come to know cinnamon for its ability to flavor things, but it was also invaluable in its ability to preserve meats, but to also mask the stench of aged meats. Oh, you want more foods? Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal, Apple Jacks, cinnamon and raisin bagels, Indian curry. I mean, we're talking antifungal, antiviral, bactericidal, larvicidal, antitermitic, nematicidal, mosquito larvicidal, insecticidal, and antimycotic. Apples and cinnamon oatmeal, Starbucks lattes, toothpaste, Red Hots, baklava, and fireball whiskey? Imagine if we would have ended up in a world where there's no cinnamon. From the studio that brought you the corduroy cover-up and the silly putty files comes a documentary so bold, so spicy, that no one would invest in the project. What's even more exciting is not how the cinnamon monopoly was formed, but how it was eventually seized, causing its downfall. This summer, you won't want to miss the cinnamon sale. Cinnamon ice cream, cinnamon apple cider, hot toddies, churros, big red gum. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? What is wrong with you? Well, I'm, I'm broke now. I sank all my money into that project. Shocking. Anyway, I think we've covered cinnamon pretty well. I mean, it is a fantastic spice and a medicine, right? I will say that we said the word cinnamon so many times in the past 20 minutes that the word cinnamon now feels weird for me to say. Cinnamon. 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 Next time on The Lab Report, we're going to talk to Dr. Nate Jenkins. Yeah, we're going to talk about metabolic flexibility. Yeah, the state of the evidence on this hot topic.
You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. When we were in grade school, mm-hmm. my sisters and I had a friend whose name was Cinnamon, her first name. That's a great name. It is, right? I love. We should think about other great spice names, right? Hmm. Thyme. Ginger is We've got already sage. one. We already have sage and ginger. Basil. That's one. It's Oregano. One. There's rosemary. You know what would be a great name? Hmm. Anise. Hmm.